Welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of Christ Church, where we seek to equip our members to live out their faith in the everyday stuff of life. I'm Matt. And I'm Jeff. We are pastors at Christ Church. Well, welcome to episode number five. Wow. Number five will always love you. Number five will always love you. Yes, he will. Well, uh, Jeff, uh, we, we do want to dig deeper into our sermon on from Sunday and uh, inquiring minds want to know. Oh no! Um, you you preached in a in a leather coat, and um, there's there's been some questions people have been asking. Have you joined a biker gang? Uh, mm. You know what what's going on here? So we are really starting to talk a lot about fashion on this <laughs> podcast, um, and I'm not exactly sure what, what's going on with that. It's as simple as it was cold, okay. and I didn't feel like wearing a blazer because I'm probably gonna wear a blazer for our. Uh, five-year anniversary coming up in a couple weeks, so spruce okay. up a little bit there. So, yeah, I swore a jacket. I mean, I'm not going to wear, like, a heavy overcoat, so I okay. a comfortable jacket, and, um, yeah, man, but I'm grateful okay. that I'm grateful that you were able to, to have that be your main takeaway in your first question. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, well, I just want to make sure, I mean, y- you haven't joined Hell's Angels, anything like that? Uh, not to my knowledge. Okay. So, good, uh, good. yeah. No, I haven't haven't been jumped into any kind of biker game. I've actually never even been on a mo- motorcycle. Really? Never been on a motorcycle. Um mm-hmm. don't know if I ever would. So Okay. Um why not? Well, I take a lot of risks in life, um, for Jesus. Mm. But I'm not really sure if I want to take risks just for so like uh you know, yeah, I just don't one little margin the margin of error is so small, one thing and you just could slide out, you know, and, and get hurt and then everyone's like, Oh, well, I'm a good you know, I'm a good bike rider. Okay, but then, like, you know, like, I can get in a fender bender in my car because some person's an idiot and runs a stop sign. You get a fender bender in your motorcycle. Like, I've got three kids at home. So, I know that, like, listen, Pastor Steve drives a motorcycle, and he's cool, mm. and, like, got told, no, just me personally. Uh, it's also the reason I don't go on roller coasters. It's like, I'm, not, I'm just not looking to take risks that I don't need to take, mm. you know? I'll mm. take the risks that I need to take for Jesus, but if it doesn't involve the gospel, I'm just going to play it safe. Yeah. So, a roller coaster you consider risky? Absolutely. Really? <laughs> you're getting hurdled. You're getting put in a piece of metal and hurdled. Sometimes, what's the new, like, Kingdom Cod thing? Aren't you getting, like, almost reaching terminal velocity on that, John? Like, mm. I, it, it, yeah, that's yeah. that's not something I'm looking to do okay. in Are my you, life. Are you more of, like, a teacups kind of guy? <laughs> no, those make me sick. I'm more of a, I'm more of a go out in nature and play in God's playground. Okay. That, that's fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I went on a, ro- a motorcycle for, mm. for the first time this year. It's kind of embarrassing because first time, yeah, um, on the back of Steve's motorcycle. So oh, yeah. smoking <laughs> up there with Steve. Nice. So I, I I I wasn't holding on to Steve in any way. I had my two <laughs> fingers under these like straps and felt like I was. It, we we went about a quarter mile down the road from the church to my house and. I thought I was going to die the whole time because <laughs> I'm holding on by these tiny little straps that I can't even grab so, hold of. So, you know, we just we just now, just this year, established a priority of pastors ordained you guys. You guys are both going to get killed in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. I'm going to go back to having no one. So thanks yeah. thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. And that that wasn't the uh, – for we, we almost died not too okay. long ago. But that's yeah. another story we for an, an, <laughs> another time. That was on the George Platt Bridge where oh, we, man. we almost lost two oh, pastors man. at once there. But oh, Anyway – Back to the, the message here. Um, message was entitled, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Um, it was about a uh, Jesus was at a, a dinner party. Um, and uh, you know, I was just wondering if, if you and H- Angie were having Jesus over for dinner, 
<laughs> what do you think you guys are making him? Mm, what are we making Jesus? Good question. Well, hopefully he would, you know, he, he'd bring the meal, right? I mean, he, I mean he's, he's bringing he's got, he's, loaves and fishes. He's got, well, <laughs> he's got the best wine, right? So, yeah, okay. Um, no, Angie's probably signature dish. Angie's a really good cook, actually. So anything she makes, I'm not just saying this because she's going to listen to the podcast. It's it's true. She's a really good cook. Makes a lot of good food. I, I think probably, I always like when she goes ethnic, you know, being Puerto Rican. So I like when she makes like a signature Puerto Rican dish. So her, you know, roast compollo with uh, tostones on the side is it's pretty sweet. So I probably would I probably would lobby for that. Okay. Yeah. So that's chicken and rice, and the, right? Is Chick- that chicken and rice and like okay. fried plantain. Fried like plantain. Okay. Like I like those. Pancakes, yeah. Yeah. Those are yeah. good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool, man. Well, uh, on to to more uh, serious uh, things here. But uh, the the sermon was about self love and and um, you know just how how strong that 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 runs in us. And you know, as I, I'm I'm listening to the sermon, great message. Um, you talked about the the nature of self love, the the outcome of self love, and salvation from self love and um, I couldn't just help about th- think about how strong self-love runs. You know, it's um, you know, you you read about these guys that are willing to to turn down a banquet. You know, with mm. um, you know, and, and Jesus is talking about this, you know, the heavenly banquet, mm-hmm. um, and just all the joy that's that's in that. And mm-hmm. um, you know, how how do we? And it just made me think, like, how do you know? There's clearly joy in front of us. How do we overcome self-love? Like, mm. you know, and 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 then. You know, kind of a follow-up question: How do we help others to to overcome it in their lives? Yeah. Well, I think just in case anyone listening to this didn't listen to the sermon, um, it's probably worth listening to. Uh, but it's it's uh, when we say self-love, it's not the idea like self-loathing that you should hate yourself. Or the whole idea is that these people are. It's probably more like I, I was trying to stress like self-consumed, like they just were proud, they were self-sufficient, they were looking themselves, they didn't care about the kingdom of God. Um, they only cared about the kingdom of self, so that, that's what that's what we meant by that. And um, so your 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 question about you know how do we can you repeat your question again? It, how do we um, how do we miss out on the joy of that yeah, or, or joy of Christ? With you know when we we see you know in this um, in the parable Jesus told, yeah, clearly there was you know they're they're being invited these people to a you know a, a right. banquet and there's right. a feast there and and you made the point of like even that joy is being offered to them and they're still like making up excuses and turning it down. Right, so right. I just think of, you know, like, uh, mm. you know, the quote from C.S. Lewis, how, you know, there's a holiday at the beach being offered right. to us and we're content to, you know, splash around in, in right. mud, you know, in the mud. Right. Right. Um, right. You know, so how, how do we overcome self-love? Like if we're like om- almost there's an irrationality about it, how yeah. do we, um, how do we help ourselves and how yeah, do we help others? That's great. Yeah, there's something better. I mean, I think that term the, the biblical concept that comes to my mind, you find it in uh, like Romans 12, Ephesians 4, is the idea of being renewing your mind. And I think that's something that we, we regularly need. You know, this this world, so the culture that we live in, our own uh, sinful nature, which has been crucified with Christ and yet still you know dwells dwells within us at the same time, and then our enemy, Satan. Uh, honestly, all those three things—the world, sin, and Satan—wanna wanna pull us away. Um, so the current is all taking us away from God. So, you know, it's always going to require effort um, in order to push towards the joy that Jesus offers. We shouldn't expect that to be effortless. Uh, we should expect it to to 
be really hard actually um and so how do like you know we have to constantly be renewing our mind because our mind's going to consistently be duped and tricked by again our own sinful hearts by satan by the world so our minds i think are constantly under under attack and so you know the, i think the question is like how do we renew our mind how do we keep our spiritual eyes open how do we have you know um was uh paul say the, the the ears of our hearts open like um just this idea that there's an inner man you know so our mind and our hearts and our spiritual eyes that we need to have open that the world constantly wants to to uh to close um and so you know i think how we do that is uh it's through obviously reading the god's word i mean god's word is what opens our eyes you know god's word is what transforms our minds you know um god's word his divine revelation given to us in scripture that's what wakes us up um from you know from the self um you know uh, mystification the self like um just blindness that we can have as we 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 look to God's word. So I think just the need to always be in God's word, you know, which again comes through faithful preaching, comes through your own personal Bible study, comes through you know, being in a you know, a, a group Bible study, being a small group, just being around God's word, places that you can soak in it. I think that's number one. I think number two, being in fellowship, you know, is really important. Um, I mean, the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. That's not just a statement on. Uh, marriage it's a statement on our on ontology our being like we are created to be people in community and so i mean first john one you know says that w- when we have um walk in the light like we have fellowship with god and fellowship with one another and so there's a there's a reciprocal relationship between needing fellowship with one another in order to have fellowship with god so we just mm-hmm. you know we need other people it says do not neglect to grow uh, to draw together that you might not become he i'm sorry it's hebrews now um, says, do not neglect to gather together so you might not become hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. So, you know, if we're going to fight against the deceitfulness of sin, if we're going to fight against, like, hey, there's this joy waiting for us, but we're selling out, right? And that's what all that's what all life outside of Christ is. It's selling out. You know, the world wants to show us that, like, oh, following Jesus is some kind of kill joy. No, Jesus is the path to true joy. Mm-hmm. Anything other than Jesus is selling out for something lesser, yeah. And so we're going to fight against that. Like, I need to fight with God's word, and I need to fight with brothers and sisters who are going to encourage me, and who are going to keep my eyes on Christ. And um, mm-hmm. so I think I think Bible reading, I think fellowship, and then obviously prayer, too. We're to pray at all times without ceasing, casting our cares upon the Lord because mm-hmm. he cares for us. And so just asking for God's help. Oh, Lord, give me spiritual eyes. I mean, just look at the prayers that Paul prayed, right? Um, he prayed that people be strengthened, that they might know the love of Christ. He prayed that the the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, right? He prayed that they were their minds would be transformed by the truth of Christ. Like he was always praying for people uh, to be spiritually awakened, and so I think we need to again be praying, um, and again doing that privately, doing that in groups. But I think those those are kind of like the three the three leg stool, if you will, that I think holds up our joy in Christ. It's it's our own saturation in God's word participation in fellowship and actively pursuing a lifestyle of prayer mm, that's good man that's good how would you say then so you know yeah w- that that's great for for us as believers um for for those that don't know the lord you know and, and we're just surrounded by people we love that that we want them to um to experience that joy and uh and there's we just see them finding joy in other things mm-hmm. you know how how do we approach that 
Well, I would I would push back a little bit. They're not finding joy in other things. They're finding happiness in other things. So happiness is a feeling that you get when things are going good. Mm-hmm. Joy is a choice that you make to believe in the goodness of God. So I would say, actually, outside of following Christ, you can't experience joy. You can only experience happiness. Not 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 to play the 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 word police, but um, I think it's important because these people they they might be really happy, but I think one of two things is going to happen. Either one, they're going to reach a time in life where their happiness is going to get rocked. Because again, it's a happiness based on circumstances. So what happens when they go through a sickness? What happens when the relationship fails them? What happens when they become an addict of the very thing that they are enjoying, you know? Um, And so I think like eventually every false God doesn't falls through. And, uh, and so people are trying to find, they're trying to find joy, right? God, God wired us and created us for joy because he wants us to know the joy in, in him. And so in many ways, our, our capacity for joy is a gift of God meant to take us to God. where We can look for joy in other things, but it won't give us joy. It just might make us temporarily happy. And so I think like just being one, being present in people's lives. So you're there when the happiness wears off and you're there in the hard times when they, when they're asking questions, hmm. um, you know, uh, I think that's that's part of it. And two, I, I think part of it is we shouldn't be scared to poke holes in people's worldview. So, you know, as much, and I want to be careful because we, we want to do this delicately, we want to do this kindly, you know, we want to make surgical holes. We're not looking to make big gashes. So I'm not looking at all like, you know, I think that the Turner Burn stuff that you see like going on in Center City is like not helpful for anyone. Um, mm-hmm. Gives a bad name Christianity and doesn't reach any Christians or throwing a track in someone's face isn't helpful for anyone. It's just going to turn people off. But I think as you have a relationship with someone, and as you're going to know them, and maybe they seem like, you know, really happy. I mean, I I know a lot of people who are, you know, doing really well. I mean, they have a lot of money. Um, maybe they even have fame. They have, you know, stable family. Everything's going good in their life. And, um, you know, obviously I want to be there when things go bad, but, but while things are going good, just ask them questions like, you know, what is your, where's your meaning in life? You know, what is your purpose in life? Where's this come from? Where are you going? What are you doing? Just asking a lot of why questions. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the more that, that you ask why questions, um, the more that like people, um, people just don't think about life that much, honestly. Yeah. And I don't mean that like at all arrogantly. I think it's just kind of true because satan wants to blind our eyes like he doesn't want us thinking about life so they just do what's nice in, in front of them so he's trying to ask why questions like why are you doing this why are you doing this why are you doing this i was doing that the other day with a guy who's again very well off you know has many ways has everything that people would want and he was like well really for me it's all about my kids it's all about like you know making as much money as i can and being as successful as i can so i can leave a good inheritance for my kids and i was like okay but what about like your kids are gonna eventually die well then i guess that goes on to my grandkids and then like you know, but I'm taking them out to the light, but like, this is all going to end. Like why you're living for something that ultimately is not going to last. Right. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be good to your kids. I mean, obviously I'm a good father too. I respect that you want to be a good father, but, mm. but that has no real, even living for your kids, like something is like, if you think about it long enough, it has no last lasting value. And that's why I think that the quote is so, and I've used this a couple of times in my sermon. It's so haunting by, um, you know, this old Supreme court justice, considered one of the best Supreme court justices of, of uh, American history, a guy named uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. He he says, you know, basically, he essentially says, and I'm paraphrasing, it, I'm in front of in front of me, but he says, like, man, I can't think long about the why questions because if I do, um, I just get really discouraged, and I realize there's no more significance to my life than that, but a bamboo, like, uh, you know, a baboon. 
we're just going to die and there's really no ultimate point to anything. And he's like, so I don't like to think about life that deeply. I just like to play a lot of solitaire. Mm. So I think if I'm talking to someone, like I want them to stop playing solitaire. I want them to think about that why question. I want them to, to think long and hard about life and try to get their attention long enough to be able to, to show them, hey, listen, you have a desire to have meaning and to find joy in having meaning. Um, what you're living for right now won't give you meaning, but let me show you the eternal value of, of joy in Christ. So I think both those things, man. I think being there for them when they realize that what they're living for isn't satisfying and then poking holes in their worldview if they are being satisfied and trying to poke holes in it so they realize like, oh, maybe this isn't as satisfying as I thought. Mm. I think both those things. But again, that requires relationship. That requires questions and, you know, a conversation moving forward. So, yeah, that's probably how, how I would answer that. That's good, man. Well, um, any other, impl- as you were studying the text, any other implications for evangelism? I know, um, you know, our our history or, or your heart beats evangelism. <laughs> so, you know, I always think back of when I was leading the college group and uh, you were in college at that point and <laughs> it was a larger group. So you would lead some of the uh, discussions and no matter what, when we all broke up and I would get back together, hey, Jeff, how'd the conversation go? Uh, how did it go? Oh, yeah, we talked about evangelism, <laughs> no matter what the topic was. So I, I know yeah. that you, you have a heart for, for those that don't know Christ. But as, as you're um, you know, thinking about that, that passage, any other um, implications for evangelism that, that stood out to you? Um, yeah, well, I mean, really at the end probably two things um at the end you just you see the master he's sending the servant saying go and bring them in go and bring them in go and bring them in and so how people get invited to come experience the feast of the banquet is is through servants being sent by the master and so i think like you know we need to go we need to go you know we can't jesus doesn't want us just sitting at the table enjoying the feast he wants to send us to bring other people to it as well. I can't remember off the top of my head who has this quote, but something stuck with me. The call of the Christian is to be one beggar who's found bread, bringing other bra- beggars to where they can find bread too. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. It's not that we're better than anyone. It's not that we figured anything out. It's like, no, we know the grace of Christ. Like, grace has come to us. Jesus, like, y- you notice the start there, right? It says the master went and, and brought in. It says he, he, the master went and brought in some people. He brought in the crippled and lame, and then there was still more room. And so he then sent out a servant to get more. And so it's like, man, we were brought in by Jesus. Like, we were spiritually crippled and poor and lame. And God loved us by his grace, not because we did anything to earn his love, but simply because he chose to show us love in Christ. And he has opened our eyes to the beautiful gospel of Jesus. And he, now because of that, like, we don't just sit at the table. Like, we need to go. And I think just that mindset, like, you know, I think as Christians, we can get really used to just eating at the table. Mm-hmm. And listen, there's a day coming when we'll be at the ultimate feast of the Lord in heaven. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there's another great, actually a great book by a guy named Mark Cahill called The One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And it's it's what can't you do in heaven that you can do on earth, like evangelism. And so there's a day coming when we won't be able to evangelize anymore. There's a day coming when the day of salvation will be shut for forever. Um, but that day is not today. That door is now wide open. And so we want to go through the door and we want to go and, and share people with Christ. So I think like at the end, I think it, you know, there's only so much you can say in a sermon. So I kind of hinted at it, but I think there's a strong evangelistic pool there at the end mm-hmm. of the call for the, those who have received grace, the call for them to go and to tell others of the grace of Christ. And so I just have a burden that like that's how we view 
our neighbors on our blocks. Like we're not just living in the places like we have been. We need to go to those places like with intentionality, with building relationships, with inviting people out to church. Uh, we need to go to our um, our coworkers. We need to go to, you know, unsafe family members. Like we need to go through life realizing that we've been sent to these places by Jesus and he wants us to be ambassadors for him. And, um, I mean, there's there's tons more I could say on that, but that's just probably the yeah, yeah. the implication of the sense that the idea that like hey go and compel them to come in. Mm-hmm. That's great, man. I knew I, I knew there was uh, <laughs> something in there that <laughs> uh, I, I knew you wouldn't disappoint, <laughs> and now I'm convicted. So mm. I want to go out and share the gospel. Amen. May we. I am. Um, one of the things you you said in your message, you talked about we shouldn't think less of ourselves, but we should think of ourselves less. And uh, you mentioned a little bit about self-esteem and, um, you know, I was just wondering if you wanted to elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, it's, it, you know, on the, the confidence scale, like you're a pretty confident guy, right? <laughs> so um, is that, um, you know, is is confidence like something different from self-esteem? Like, um, yeah, where should we, okay, I know we're not supposed to think less of ourselves, but, you know, is self-esteem important? Like, you know, what what would you... Interesting. I mean, you just don't really see much in the Bible about self-esteem. It seems like everywhere it talks about it says, hey, they were lovers of self. Like, the Bible kind of assumes it. And so, you know, people are like, what about these people with, like, really bad, like, self-esteem issues? I was like, well, it depends what you mean by self-esteem. Like, they still probably have, like, and that's what I was saying in the sermon a little bit, too. You know, like, they might think that they're really bad, and so instead of obsessing about how great they are, they're obsessing about how not great they are. Either way, they're obsessing about themselves. And that's really, honestly, I think, like, there's a great book that everyone should read called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller. You know, you can read it um, pretty, pretty, pretty quick. It's a, it's a short read. But, um, I, you know, I, and I, I gave him credit in the sermon. Um, but he, uh, you know, he's really the one who uh, I think just put some great language around this. As he talks about, like, yeah, there's just there's a freedom of being self-forgetful. So it's not about thinking, like, oh, I'm this terrible person. Um it's like, I'm just thinking about Christ. I think confidence comes from knowing who you are in Christ. So um, I do think confidence is different than self-esteem. I have, you know, we shouldn't have, we, we have Jesus' esteem. So if I think who, like, how amazing and how awesome Jesus is, and I think that, like, I think about the, the example of um, uh, the, the, the master who gave talents, and they all, you know, they multiply them. It wasn't about the, it wasn't about the talents. It wasn't about how much they had. It was about who the master is. And so they want to double whatever they had because the master was worthy, right? Um, and so I think if we're living with like the worth of Jesus, like I think confidence comes from knowing how God has called you to honor him. Hmm. And so, um, you know, so I don't view myself necessarily, I mean, I guess, yeah, you could say I'm confident, but honestly, I don't think about being confident. I don't think about, um, you know, I, I just think about like, well, I'm called to follow Jesus and, this is what Jesus wants me to do, you know, whatever it is. And so I'm just going to go do it because Jesus is worthy of it. And so it's about him. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. And the times I'm lacking confidence, the times that like I'm nervous, right? People ask me, how do you get nervous to, to speak in front of people? And um, it, it depends, you know, um, but usually, usually no. But like the times that I do get nervous, it's because I'm usually making it about me. Like I want to either impress someone or I'm worried about someone's good opinion or I'm trying to like, you know, um, accomplish something and I'm thinking about what I want to do but it, honestly if I'm just thinking about Christ and so that's why I mean I have to pray a lot before I speak or go places or do things um, 
if I'm like wrapped up in Jesus, honestly, I'm not nervous, not because I'm like confident in my personality. It's just, I'm really not thinking about myself. So I don't know. I feel like that sounds really simplistic. I don't know if you would add something to that. Yeah. I don't know. What, what, what would your thoughts be? Huh, what would my thoughts be? Uh, I'm encouraged that that there's times where where you feel nervous. So, <laughs> um, I look look um, to you as an example of someone that that does have their you know eyes fixed on serving the Lord and and doesn't kind of get caught up in a lot of that. But, uh, yeah. Now I, I as as far as yeah. Now that's I, I I don't think I could add anything to that. Well, yeah. Sorry for putting you on the spot there, but um. Yeah, I mean, I really do think that. So, so I do think confidence. Is what we're looking for, not high self-esteem. You know, I don't think our confidence should come from "I'm so great." It should come from "I've been called by God to do this," and so I'm going to do it and leave the results to Him. You mm-hmm. know, whatever that looks like, I'm just going to leave the results to Him. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not about it's not about me. It's about serving Jesus. Yeah, and so I think like. You know, when I was in sales, which was very performance driven, like, I mean, literally you had a chart with how well you did on the side. It was like, and there could be a temptation to want to impress people with that or discouragement when you're not doing well and people can see that, you know, you got a big fat zero on the board. Um, like, well, hey, listen, I think God's God's called me to be a provider. God's called me to work. And so I'm not going to be discouraged. I get caught up in the numbers. I'm just going to keep slugging away at what, what I do, you know. Same thing with preaching. Uh, I'm going to keep just slugging away at what I do. And, um, I remember going to a conference one time and um, just really praying. I praise now before I go to, to anywhere where I'm going to be, you know, not just the speaker, but a couple of speakers. And I was praying, Lord God, someone has to be the worst speaker. May I be okay being the worst? You know, like if you have to rank all five sermons or all six sermons or whatever it is, someone, you know, go rank one through one through six. Someone's got to be six. Maybe okay being six as long as I'm faithful to you. You know, I don't want to be six because I didn't prepare. I don't want to be six because. Um, you know, I was nervous and I got caught up in myself. I'm be six because I'm just not as good as these other guys, right? If I'm speaking at a conference with John Piper and Tim Keller, like, guess what? If it's the three of us, it's pretty clear who's going to be three, you know? But I don't care about that because my identity isn't trying to be a preacher like Tim Keller or John Piper. My identity should just be like, hey, God's called me to preach. He's called me into this context. I just want to be as faithful as I possibly can. If, not, if I'm as faithful as I can, then I can be confident in that. I don't have to worry about, like, you know, do people like my sermon the best or not? It's more about did I honor Christ? It's good, man. That's good. Uh, how are we doing on time here? We got about uh, maybe time for one more. One more. Okay, this is a serious yeah, one, one. So what, one oh. of your uh, initial illustrations was you, you talked about how we can get upset when other people get credit for something that you might do better, right? <laughs> um, but I was, I was a little um, taken aback by your illustration because um, – your the the example you used was you said you like their meatballs. Obviously, you haven't had my meatballs, so <laughs> I didn't know. Do you, do you run in a lot of crowds where there's like a lot of pride over meatballs? Like, what's uh? <laughs> Just trying to contextualize the South Philly. Uh, okay, I know okay. meatball pride is a big deal. Yeah, uh, I personally don't do that because I've never made a meatball in my life. Well, I, I'm I've opened up. I shouldn't say this, this is going to be recorded, but. Um, I'll just go there. I've opened up frozen bags of meatballs, and that's about the extent of my meatball preparation. So, so you've opened them, but you haven't actually cooked them. Is well, no, I've cooked, I've okay, cooked okay. frozen meatballs, but like I okay. mean, as you and I know, like that, I just I just offended every Italian who's listening yeah, to this. You did, and we got a lot of them in South Philly. So, yeah. um, yes, no, I I, but I know that meatball. You know, I was trying to contextualize. I know meatball wars can be a big thing, and so just trying mm. to help people understand. <laughs> you know, 
uh, let's be let's just be okay to make our meatballs. And if there's other people who make other meatballs, we don't have to yeah. worry about who makes the better meatball. So would you go out on a limb and say, what are the best meatballs you've ever had? Uh, I'm going to have to keep that information to myself out of okay. pastoral care because okay. I don't want to. I've had a couple of meatballs from a couple of different people, oh, and, okay. and they're all really good. Okay. But again, if you're going to rank, I'm going to have to rank. If you ask me to rank, I don't want to offend anyone. And, and quite frankly, yeah. I want to keep getting meatballs from everyone I can. <laughs> so so okay. if you're listening to this, think that it's yours and keep giving me meatballs. That's yeah. that's the takeaway. And if I you're love, listening to this, I, I haven't gotten that many meatballs, so <laughs> I'd be happy to, <laughs> to get some meatballs. <laughs> so I, I, I have... Uh, yeah, one one lady that comes to mind who has has made meatballs for okay. us when we moved and did okay. a, a very uh, stellar job yeah. with those meatballs. Yeah, so. I've I've yet to have a bad meatball in South Philly. I'll say that. Really? Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad we can uh, close on this. Anything? Uh, yeah. What What's going on this this Sunday? Uh, so excited for this Sunday. We have uh, the equip class coming out. Um, actually, you're, I'm excited because you're doing it. So I love I hearing you teach. Um, and, uh, so I'll be here for, for that and in the front row listening to you. So, uh, I think talking about, uh, Christian's view of, of womanhood, I think one of the, in this class called it hard questions. So it's hard questions that people ask Christianity. And one of the things that Christianity can be ex- accused of is doesn't Christianity denigrate women? And, um, I'm really excited for you to show from scripture why that is not mm. the case at all. Mm. Yes. Um, Christianity is actually one of the most women affirming thing and so how appropriate to do that especially on the heels of international women's day mm. so uh, excited for that and then um preaching on uh luke it's a, still in our series in luke luke uh 14 25 through 35 on uh jesus doesn't believe in your christianity so i'll Ooh. just leave it okay i'll leave it at that wow. but it's uh Titles pulling me in there yeah oh. it's gonna it's gonna be uh i don't know if, i mean god's word's always good but um, so I don't know if I would say good. I would say you know, yeah, it's it's gonna be something. I'll say that it's it's <laughs> it it's will. been it's been a challenging it's been a challenging text for me to grapple through, challenging for me to think through in my own life. Um, but I think you know God God loves us and so He wants to confront us and challenge us. And uh, mm. He's got a He's got a He's got a good word for us this Sunday. Mm. Good man, that's great. Well, uh, that's it for time. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, again, uh, always love to, to hear from you, get your feedback, um, or just, just drop us a line, Jeff or Matt at ChristChurchSouthPhilly.org. So thanks, everyone. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all.